Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur by experienced managed service providers. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. Uh, we are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenlink Networks, which is a voice over IP uh, channel only uh, based out of Dallas as well. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I, I wanted to do this podcast was because visiting a lot of these events, I, I realized that a lot of the MSPs that were starting up were struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues that, that we experienced. So wanting to take that pain away from some of the new guys, they decided to go with this podcast. My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with, I think, a total of three employees, and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop. We're located in South Central Indiana, servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us and also hopefully helping others along the way. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're currently about a dozen employees. We're an MSP. We were originally founded in 1999. I truly believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help me and, and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share with me their mind share on, on how to overcome issues. So I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago and many years in the working and here we are. So we hope that you really get a lot out of this podcast and learn the things that I wish somebody would have told me. Follow, like, and subscribe at IT4Whiskey.com. Now here's your hosts, Myron, Joe, and Craig. Welcome back to the next episode of <laughs> IT for Whiskey. Thank you for coming back and joining our show today. My name is Joe Yusia, and I'm joined by my two very best friends and co-hosts, Craig and Myron. Guys, how are you guys doing today? Not bad. I'm back, and uh, a lot of poor choices. Poor choices? What are you talking about, <laughs> poor choices? What does that mean? We've been talking now today for at least, what, two hours? Two hours. Two and a half hours or something like All right. that. All yeah. right. So, been a great time. Yes. We, uh, we got a great topic today. Something that none of us have really have thought about much, I think. No, but it actually has a lot of relevance. I would agree with that. I agree. So what are we talking about? We're going to discuss what would we do differently if we were to start our businesses from scratch today. Myron's partner, Giovanni, interrupted our wonderful conversation today. Pleasantly interrupted, mind you. And he thought of a great topic for us because we were going to talk about something else. But you know what? I really, really, really like the concept of if I had to start over... From scratch today, knowing what I know now, all these years later, what would I do different? And you know what? It's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Things have changed. 2004 was when we started. Things have changed a lot since then. There's always that question. It's just the same as what happened to a lot of the break-fix providers that you know had to switch to managed services. And if they would have started later on in life, would you know how would that go? And so on and so forth. So for sure. It's an interesting topic. So, Craig, what would you do different? I would not hire family or friends. Amen. Sorry for the other Hickmans in the business. <laughs> no, but, you know, but there's some validity. You know, something that happened to me today on his note, friend of 20 years came in. He worked for me for about four years. 
got too cocky, was screwing up, yelled at customers, blah, 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 blah. We had to let him go. Today, he came to bring his iPhone in to return it to us. Didn't even acknowledge me. We were friends for 20 years. Would not even say hi or bye to me. Like I did something wrong here. And I get what you're saying, Craig. I feel your pain because it hurt that after all those years, two decades, half of my life as a human being on this earth, I've known this person. He can't even say hi. You know what the worst part is? They're, he's now going to give us a bad review on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I highly doubt he even listens at this point. But anyways. I have to say that I, I don't agree with the family stuff. Well, you've got a different scenario because Giovanni's awesome. I actually have a few people that are family. I have So Giovanni, who is my business partner, and most of you know that, um, he's my cousin. Very distant cousin, by the way. Yeah. We're probably more enemies than family. But anyway, uh, he's my business partner. <laughs> he's better looking. <laughs> and he's smarter, but let's not go there. He is. He is. There's no doubt there. Taller. Uh, no, not taller. Did we say that already? <laughs> yeah, you said that already. <laughs> Can you tell me I like Javadi better than you? Yeah, sure. I also have uh, my nephew uh, who works for us and has been a great add-on to the company for the last couple of years that he's been with us. I also have my brother-in-law that works for us. Wow. I don't know if you guys know that. Yeah, you guys met you guys met Answer. Remember oh, Answer? Yeah. Answer's yeah, my yeah. he's my brother in law. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of a difference though. And and I mean this in a very positive way. Culturally speaking, Dominicans are very much family oriented, whereas North Americans Yeah, and I don't mean in a bad way either way. Says the Canadian. Well, you know, and I will say it's funny because I've tried to work with family and, and I love my family dearly. I'm I'm a very much a family guy, but it's just not the same. I mean, it, it, it does come with its difficult times. Uh, I also have a, a, some good friends that, that have worked with us, uh, some that don't work for us anymore. Some of them are no longer my friends. Friends are harder for sure than family. And, and then I have some friends that still work for us, and, um, and the relationship is great. You know? So it, it, it all depends on how you, you establish that initial expectation. And I think if you... If you establish that correctly and make them understand that what's business is business, it's not personal. Right. And if they agree to that, then at the end of the day, you know, if it doesn't work out and, and they have this grudge on you, like you're having your, your, your situation, right? It, it means that they aren't worth it because they didn't you know, obviously understood the, the, the process. You know, it's funny you say that, Byron, because I, as you guys both know, I own another two businesses with my brothers and we get along great. And I love him to death and, and we're great business partners and we're, we get along like everything's hunky-dory. It's a very unusual thing to be able to pull off, put it to you that way. And here, I don't have a family member that's my business partner and I get along great with him too. So it really depends. I agree with you. It depends on the individuals. It depends on the expectations. It depends on the family dynamics. It's, it's not as common though, like you said, to be able to engage with family. It's not as common to, to take that family member and become successful business partners together. It's tough. It really is. And the reason is, outside of business hours, if they're your wife or your kids or whatever, you got to go to bed and see them. If they're relatives, Christmas and Easter, you know, Passover, whatever it may be, you're still going to see them. So you're always going to see these people. And it, it, it's tough because people take things personally. So for me, I think that when it comes to the business operation, uh, beyond the family stuff that we talked about, I think that I would, knowing now that cloud was going to be, 
you know, had, has become such a big thing, I would have transitioned to the cloud a lot sooner than I did. I might not have picked the right provider and the right choices, but I would have been in the game a lot sooner than, than what we decided to on the, on the MSP side of the business. So what I would have probably have done differently is when I wrote all my agreements, I would have made them a lot more generic with the product naming as opposed to saying, hey, we're going to use X product, allowing me to easily transition or move people because because I know Joe Joe does this. So like I'm using antivirus. Joe's like, we're selling antivirus, but we've decided to move everything to another provider. You don't get a decision. It's just included. And same with backup, where my where my servers are stored, all those things. I would have made it a lot more generic, but not not so generic that people wouldn't trust it, but enough to know that I would make the best choices for them. Because this thing is so fluid. It's constantly just shifting and moving that you want to be able to move. Because my my problem right now is I've got services changing, but in order for me to legally move them to something else, I have to have a new agreement signed. And that's actually, that's actually tougher because that's, you have to explain that. So there's two things I can say on that. I learned that a long time ago from one of my mentors. Don't sell someone else's brand. You commoditize yourself for that. So at our organization... Unless it's GreenLink, right? Yeah, well, that's different. GreenLink's such a channel-friendly company that it doesn't matter, right? But you guys are the exception to the rule. <laughs> I'm being serious because you have to think of it this way. Now, if I'm going to sell an antivirus, right? A, B, C, or D, they all have their strengths. They all have their weaknesses. And their relevance to what is happening in the market at any point in time changes. So, and I'm, I'm just picking on what Craig said and just kind of running with it. You know, we were with brand A for a long time. And brand A started crashing VMs and started causing us havoc. It was probably 90 days that we analyzed the market, tried all the brands and checked everything out. And we went with brand B. And I don't care. The, the brands are not relevant at, at this point because if we talk about the actual names, by the time six months or a year somebody listens to this or three months from now, it may not have relevance. So we may have changed. But the point being, and also because you know we're not for profit and people don't sponsor us, so I'm not going to promote a specific brand over another. The point is that we promote it as infinite IT antivirus. Yeah, I got it. We promote it yeah. as infinite cloud services. We promote it as infinite firewall services. We promote it as infinite wide area networking services. Bottom line is it's an antivirus company. There is a cloud provider. There is a, a, an internet service provider. There is XYZ, ABC, it, the underlining provider doesn't matter. And the reason is by us putting our brand in front, A, we're getting brand name recognition from our clients. When they ask us who it is, we'll tell them, say, but it may change. And B, the big thing is I am taking responsibility. If there's a problem with it, customer, Mr. Customer, Miss Customer, don't worry about it. I've got your back. And a lot of times all the customers want is that comfort knowing someone is going to get their back on something. And that's it. So I don't regret doing that, but I do have other regrets. You know what my number one regret is in this industry, boys? Not making more money? <laughs> well, that's a problem, not a regret. The biggest regret I have, number one, is allowing distribution to think that they own us as a reseller. I hate 
And I don't hate many things in this world, but I hated every time I had to deal with distribution and their shenanigans and the entitlement that they felt over us, like we're inconsequential. And I'm sure most small resellers out there get that. Yeah, for sure. You know, the distributions of the world, they don't care about your 100 grand, 200, 300 grand a year because they're not making money off of it. And you're more of a pain in the butt than it's worth. But guess what? And we're doing millions a year with, with hardware and we still have it. So here's the reality, folks. It's not going to change. Don't try to aspire to sell 10, 20, 30 million dollars of hardware a year. They don't care just the same. It's not going to change. However, sell your services. You still have to pass their tests. Oh, don't bring up the tests with me. <laughs> Jump through their stupid hoops. Oh, the certification test to be able to uh, sell their products. It's just ridiculous. I'm telling you, focus on you. You are the reason why you are in business. You are the reason why customers want to deal with you. You know, I, and I can say this confidently, Myron and Craig, I know for a fact your customers, Myron, deal with you because they like you. They buy from you because they like you. And Craig, in your space, your competitors don't care about their customers the way you do. And that's why you're successful. You've got a really great market where you care about them and you listen to them and you say, you know what? My competitors don't care about you, but I do. That's the difference that we bring to the market. I agree on a lot of that. And I think that one of the things, one of my regrets is that for a long time, we were afraid to do a lot of things that we should have just done. Uh, we, sh- we could have self-corrected if it, was, if it was a mistake or whatnot. But when you're a small, you know, micro business about to start or just starting, you know, you, you, you don't want to, you know, ruffle too many feathers. You want to make sure that things are under control. But the reality is to be able to grow and scale, you have to be able to get out of your comfort zone. You have to be able to try new things, try, you know, does this work? Does that work? And, you know, that's the way that you succeed. And I feel that for the first six to eight years, we, we dragged our feet from that standpoint because we were afraid to take on new challenges. And I hope that others don't do that. Yeah, you know, so someone said to me recently, Myron, you just you just triggered a really important thought. So every day that passes that you don't earn that dollar is a dollar lost. And so and you just you just kind of triggered that, that thought of the, what he said to me. He said, you know, admittedly he's in the the real estate rental landlord type business. And he said, you know, there's only so many months that I'm gonna be alive. And if I don't rent it out this month, that's a dollar I lost in my grand scheme, because I'm going to have the place anyways. It's mine. And managed services are the same way. The sooner you onboard that customer, the sooner you start billing that customer, the sooner you start making money off of them. Because managed services, cloud services, it's, it is the same business model. It's a different service, but the sooner you onboard and the sooner you get them going, the sooner you start making money. And that's, that's actually my number two regret. My number two regret is not making it urgent to onboard customers. Get them going. We talked about onboarding, offboarding in a previous episode. Us as a company, Infinite IT, we learned a lot from our mistakes in onboarding, offboarding. But I will tell you, grand scheme of things, if we would have put a little bit more urgency onboarding customers and onboarded them, let's say, two weeks earlier, you know, out of 50 customers we onboard a year, 50 times two weeks, <laughs> that's almost two years worth of billing that we could have realize that we didn't because it wasn't urgent. 
So that's my number two regret. How about you guys? I had a thought, but it fleeted there for a moment. The only thing I can tell you is Joe said, get it signed. And that's how I think about my whiskey is I should probably drink it before I die. <laughs> Buddy, if you drank all that whiskey you have behind you, you would die. <laughs> Someone told me recently, maybe in the past couple of years, I can't really remember, that if you buy it, you just sit it on the shelf and you die, you're going to wish you drank it. <laughs> Because I'm not going to know what that's going to taste like in later life. Maybe I will, but I don't know. It depends on your religion. But uh, you know what? I, I will say I float at like a week's supply at any point in time. I'm not drinking as much, but I am drinking today an Old Forester 1910. Uh, this was uh, mentioned to me by Craig a long time ago. Uh, he said, if you find it, buy it. Because I can't find it here. And I was in New York with Ben and Ivan from my team. And we came across three bottles of it. And um, I picked it up. I remember we, we, we were in a hotel in, um, in New York. And we, uh, we killed the bottle, the three of us. I don't think they've ever drank that much bourbon before. So it was a <laughs> rough next day. But um, the last two bottles came back with me. And uh, I've been nursing one, which is about halfway done, uh, mostly done today, and the other one's at home. So uh, I really like it. It's um, 93 proof. It's got a coffee taste at the end. But if you can get it, I think now it's more available and mostly all the big, at least for, by my house, it's, uh, it's available. So I recommend somebody to go out and drink this. Joe, what are you drinking? I actually cracked something brand spanking new today. So a while ago, I bought the Game of Thrones bottle and you know what craig i know you bought the whole series i don't know what you're talking about i know you sent the picture back in the day about having the whole bottle the whole series every single house blah 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 but i bought a couple of them i gave one to my business partner i kept a couple for myself etc cetera, etc cetera. this is actually the cardu gold reserve house of targaryen and targaryen he's not a game of thrones watcher <laughs> targaryen, sorry apologies canadian they pronounce things differently right a and I will say this. I'm actually quite impressed. On a scale of one to five, I give this a four and a half. It's a really, really, really good scotch. Single malt scotch whiskey. It's only 80 proof, 40%. I would have assumed there would be more fire to it. Yeah, especially for House Targaryen. You're right. <laughs> I think you should be able to be on fire while you drink it. Right. But here I am a couple of drinks later. There, there you are, Joe. You're right there. One or three later. And you know what? I got to say, it's, it, it truly is scotch from the Cardew Distillery in, in, in Scotland. But, and it's distributed by Diego. So, you know, it is what it is. But I will say it's actually not a bad drink for the price point. It's not bad. Would I say it's my top five? No. How do you, how do you pronounce it again? How do, how do you say it, Joe? Cardew. Cardew? Cardon't? C-A-R-D-H-U. Cardew. I'll have to try it out. It's their gold reserve. Game of Thrones, though, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you're Game of Thrones folks, but if you are, then you definitely need to check this box. Just don't watch the last episode. Dude, don't last the last season. <laughs> I didn't, so I'm good. Joe, Joe, if you want to know what happens in the last episode, just call me and I'll tell you in a story format. How about no? Uh, so, boys, as you know, my selection is a little deep, so... Today, my favorite's been my Four Roses single barrel. Hmm. Uh, this is the uh, 
OBSK, which is from a certain section of the uh, Four Roses uh, rickhouse. This is very smooth. It is only 100 proof. Only. Only. Yeah, only. But only, only. Only 100 proof. I have to admit, this is actually a very, it's got a little caramel to it. Caramel. Or caramel. I don't know. Depends on who you are, I guess. I like that. But there are certain Four Roses single barrels that are really good. If you can find a store pick, I suggest you pick it up. Because typically when a store is picking it out, they usually don't go out and pick out crap. It's usually a very good pick. Very nice. But uh, cheers. Salute. Cheers, cheers guys. Salute. So, so let's apply our topic du jour to scotch. And to, sorry, to whiskeys. If you had to go back and start all over again on your whiskey journey, where would you start? Oh, this is, this is an interesting topic because I would totally change a whole bunch of things. Right. If we go back to 2004, 2005. Yeah, I would have not drank Johnny Walker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or or uh, Red Label. <laughs> Chivas. <laughs> I had a customer back then in, in 2004 that was like 2003, four that was hardcore Johnny Walker black. Oh, my God. It was like the bee's knees. And when Chris and I discovered it, we were like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Then we got into green. Then we got it. And then we drank blue and we're like, that's disgusting. And we moved on and never looked back. So if I could save five years of my life, I would have jumped right into what I like now. Because who knows where I'd be now? Mind you, I'd probably be a lot poorer. But I, I was never a fan of Johnny. But I did buy, when, when we started the company, I bought a bottle of Johnny Blue. And I set a, a goal. You still have it? No. I set a goal that- <laughs> You gave it away? When, I, when, I, when we got to a million, that I would pop it open and drink it. And I was so- I was so disappointed. <laughs> you poured it down the drain? I was so disappointed. My my wife bought me a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue and I re-gifted it. Right. Nice. That's probably the smartest thing to do or return it. You know, the, the saddest part is it's such an expensive bottle. Yeah. And for the quality, I will tell you right now, if somebody said to me, I will give you five bottles of Johnny Walker Blue. Or I'll give you one bottle of the Glendronic 12. I'll take the bottle of Glendronic. Hands down every time. Let me tell you, there's a lot of bourbons that I would take without a doubt. I agree. There's, there's tons of bur- bourbons, scotches, whiskeys. Maker's Mark 49, I would take over the Johnny Walker Blue. We were talking before about you know the Abelor. And I mean, the Abelor 12, I've been drinking that like on a regular at home. Oh, it's great. Abelor 16 and 18. I haven't tried the 16 or the 18. So Abelor is a great, 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 great whiskey. That's why I got to go to Indiana. You come to Indiana, you can try all of them. So how's this? If you're going to spend $60 on a bottle of Johnny Walker, spend $50 and buy a real scotch. If you guys come to Indiana, we'll get out some of my scotches from Scotland. That I bought. No, when I go to Indiana and visit you, I'm drinking one of every single bottle. How much? That's the rule. Hey, Myron, what did we say earlier? Even if Craig is not there. Even if <laughs> Craig's not there. I need to rewrite these rules. <laughs> Sorry. It's like the Bible. It was written 2,000 years ago. It's done in stone. You can't change it. I've, I've made some poor choices there. That was the poor choices comment that. Even even the Old Testament, like you can't change the Old Testament. Moses is Moses. The Red Sea parted. Some kid got sacrificed, and here we are, right? Ooh. Craig's like, if I can go back in time, I'd change the rules. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's it for us. I think that this went much faster than I expected. <laughs> so I will say this on a closing note. There is one last thing I really need to add to this episode. And I think the two of you would agree. If I could go back to day one and do one thing very different, it would absolutely be to have that confidence I have today to sell our brand, to believe in ourselves and sell our own services and not feel like I needed a third-party crutch from one of the big brands to be able to validate who we are, why we exist, and our place in the market. Thank you for listening. Like, share, endorse, evangelize, and tell everyone about us. That's all for this episode of IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at it4whiskey.com. You smoke that Cisco and you may uh, DDoS yourself. (laughs) 